0: As we head to a referendum in just over a fortnight's time, there's a fierce battle for the yes and no vote playing out in the land of social media. The messaging is short, sharp and constant, and it's reaching millions of voters. Today, Professor in Political Communication at La Trobe Uni, Andrea Carson, on why the no campaign is dominating on platforms like TikTok, and how that could translate at the ballot box. Andrea, we last had a referendum almost 25 years ago. That was for Australia to become a republic, of course, and was voted down. The messaging back
1: then was a little different, wasn't it?
0: So we'll vote
1: it certainly was. We didn't have Facebook, we didn't have YouTube, we didn't have Twitter and we certainly didn't have TikTok.
0: Time time yes. Yes, time.
1: So it was very much in the analogue era that we last had a referendum. It's time to ruin. Yes, it's time. Yeah, and now we live
0: in a very different world because we have all of
1: these things. <laughs> People can get their information from a vast array of platforms and they do from LinkedIn to TikTok to Meta, Facebook, Instagram, uh, from YouTube, from Reddit. I don't know who needs to hear this, but a lot of Indigenous Australians want you to vote no. So the voice can say things, right? They can make representations.
0: They can give advice about their issues to government. And that's good, right? Because when
1: we and they also get it from the traditional sources of media, whether that be television, radio, as well as streaming services that go with that, and of course newspapers, both hard copy and their online iterations. So it's a very different world to what it was when we had our last referendum.
0: It's a, a little more complicated. I think things were easier back then. Anyway, I want to unpack with you, Andrea, the significance of social media as we head towards this referendum, because. It's an important tool for both
1: campaigns,
0: yes and no, isn't it?
1: It certainly is. Digital natives, younger people who've grown up with social media, that's where they go to to get information primarily. And so the campaigners need to be there if they want to reach those voters. But they also have to be sophisticated in their campaign strategies because many older voters are still turning to television, to to free-to-air, the nightly news, and so they need to be in those commercial spaces too with their advertising and also with their messages on the news bulletins. So it requires quite a degree of sophistication to deal with the fragmented media market. On social media platforms, just broadly, what sort of messaging
0: are we seeing on, you know, those platforms like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook? What form
1: does it take? It's predominantly video. Video is very shareable, but it's different for each platform because you have different audiences. Mm -hmm. So, for example, with Facebook, that tends to skew a bit older. We know that it's still the most used platform in Australia. About 70% of Australians are on Facebook at some point. Over the course of a month, younger people will use Instagram, 35 and down, and those 24 to 18 that are eligible to vote, they're mainly on TikTok. TikTok has really been growing over the last year. It's now got about 8.4 million Australians on that platform, and most of them are under the age of 24.
0: Wow. We're still seeing, of course, those traditional television ads as well. Come on, Australia, let's stay united. Vote no to the voice of division.
1: I gather they're reaching a very different audience at this point. They're pretty much going for an older audience, uh, those that still primarily go to television for their news. So how
0: does this work on social media? Does it cost money for the campaigns to actually
1: place videos or messages on these social platforms and how much does it cost? It's a good question because we're talking about two different types of messaging here. There are the paid messages, which are the equivalent of ads as we think about them on television, and there's also putting up posts and hoping they go viral, which doesn't cost anything. In terms of the paid media, and I should say, as part of monitoring the campaign, we get visibility over this, how much is being spent there, thanks to the Facebook and the Google ad libraries. We see that they tend to be short, sharp videos.
0: I'm Nellie, and today we're going to learn a new word. It's called
1: <laughs>
0: Nell. No. Authorised by Matthew Sheehan, Advance Australia, Canberra.
1: We know that the Yes and No campaigns are putting most of their ad spend onto Meta. They put some on Google, but the majority is going onto Meta. And what we're seeing is, yes, over the last 90 days has spent over a $1 million dollars, $1. $1 $1.1 million. Fair Australia has spent just under $100,000. So hang on, what's Advance Australia? Advance Australia is, it comes from the conservative side of politics, and it has some wealthy sponsors that support that financially. The main no that we're talking about now is the campaign that's being managed by Advance Australia, and it does that under the name of Fair Australia. Do you really think they won't use the voice to try and abolish Australia Day? I don't think people understand how much the voice will divide us. Watch this.
0: So let's look more closely at the messaging on
1: social media platforms. First, let's look at the no campaign campaign we're seeing a a preference for TikTok and those messages tend to use humour, they use Indigenous voices, they use storytelling uh, and they use young people to reach young people and they're in high repetition. On other platforms, we see the No Campaign campaign pretty much narrowing its message to uh, one about division, using um, Senator Jacinta Price as the main spokesperson there who previously had a role with Advance Australia. From the day Mr Albanese put his word into the Australian people, the
0: process of division was begun. We are being divided. We were... All right, OK. Well, what about the Yes campaign? How are they using these social media platforms?
1: Up until very recently, there wasn't a huge presence from Yes on TikTok. Mm -hmm. There were people supporting the Yes campaign who individually were having some large impact. When I say large on TikTok, you're talking hundreds of thousands of views, somewhere up around the million. Mm -hmm. No's been more successful and engaging on TikTok. Yes has been running ads, quite a lot of ads on Instagram and Facebook. For example, this month alone, they've put up about 3,500 new ads and they carry a range of different messages, some of them with young Indigenous people, which those who watch television might have seen those ads. Well, I grew up in a country that hears my voice. Will I live as long as other Australians? Yes makes it possible. But a real range of ads. So their approach is quite different. They're going for a broad strategy, covering most of Australia with lots of different messages. Hey,
0: while I've got a minute, let's talk about Indigenous support for The Voice. The
1: The Voice is a chance to create better opportunities in our communities. We know that when people listen, we create better outcomes. Authorised by Dean Park and Australians for Indigenous Constitutional Recognition Limited in North Sydney. No, pretty much is concentrating their ad spend, at least on Facebook, to the two states that are really in play if they're going to be successful at overcoming yes with the referendum. And that's aiming the ads at Tasmania and at South Australia.
0: Okay. And, Andrea, we know the polls are showing, of course, that the yes vote keeps slipping. But do we really know whose messages are cutting through the most on social
1: media? This is a a great question and a really hard one for academics and political scientists like me to be able to answer because we have lots of evidence that has different findings about how effective campaigns are and one of the issues here is that we can never do a natural experiment and suspend one campaign just to see what the impact of another is Mm -hmm. so both campaigns might be having impact but they could negate the effects of each other so it's very hard to measure that alone what we can measure is what the outputs of the campaign are and how people appear to be engaging with that content And when we do that, we see that there's a lot of paid messaging coming from yes, they're getting a lot of traction within the free media through news stories. But that's not arresting the decline in the yes vote at this point in time.
0: Why, Andrea, do you think it is that the no message is cutting through?
1: I think they've well they've got more supporters they had more supporters to start with and that may be because Advance has been around for a lot longer than Yes 23 has and they've had time to build that it would also seem that they started their messaging much earlier than Yes which also gave them the opportunity to build those messages and they have a fairly singular message that's very easy for people to comprehend. And that's usually, uh, that message is around division. It's, there's a couple of variations on it, but not as many variations as we've seen with Yes, which has many, many messages, which I think makes it harder for people just to grab onto one idea.
0: So tell me, who is actually tracking these social media posts one concern is that there could be misinformation spread on platforms like this.
1: Well, there is. Without wanting to amplify some of the mis and disinformation that's out there, we're seeing distortion of celebrities' messages that are being recontextualized to make it look like they support one side or the other. We're seeing that happen with politicians as well. Former politicians um, such as the late Bob Hawke, his previous speeches are being distorted. I've often thought
0: of a speech I heard Bob Hawke make in 1988 when he said the only thing that defined you as an Australian was your commitment to Australia.
1: The commitment
0: to Australia is the one thing. Needful to be
1: a true Australian. We're also seeing, which I think is most concerning, is disinformation aimed at the electoral process itself and some of that is being aimed at the Australian Electoral Commission. That is most unfortunate because the Electoral Commission has a fine reputation. Australia has a robust democracy with fair and free elections and attacking that very institution is not good for anyone who cares about democracy.
0: All right, and Andrea, what do you think? Should we be worried about the influence of social media in these sort of campaigns or is it just part of the democratic discussion?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, fake news has always been around. It's been around for three, four hundred years. The difference, of course, is that in the past it didn't spread so far. What can be done about it? It's a a difficult situation. We also need to be sure that just because someone receives mis and disinformation doesn't mean it necessarily affects their voter behavior. It may, but there needs to be more work to really understand that cause and effect relationship because that hasn't been established at this point in time. There's a mix of high quality and low quality information that circulates around and um, people need a degree of education about quality sources of information in order to have some assurance that what they're getting is reliable information. Andrea
0: Carson is a professor in political communication at La Trobe University. This episode was produced by Bridget Fitzgerald, Anna John and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. Over the weekend, catch This Week with James Glenday. He'll be chatting about the new premier of Victoria, Jacinta Allen, and the Wallabies' woes. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again on Monday. Thanks for listening.